All right, places, everyone. Quiet on the set. Curtains in five. Welcome back to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. I'm Jaren Michelle. And I'm Chris Hicks. And our guest today is someone who is quickly becoming one of my favorite Quad City actors, whose most recent appearance on stage was the new Athens Players Spotlight on Susan Glassbill. Welcome, Michael Karen. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, first of all, give us your background of theater. Are you a Quad City native always? I am. I am. I started doing theater uh, when I was a freshman at Assumption High School. They had a guy taught algebra there, a, a priest, Father Marv Eldred. We called him Starvin' Marvin. The man was, <laughs> I am not making this guy up. You couldn't believe him. He was one of three brothers, all of whom were priests, all of whom left the priesthood to marry nuns. But that has nothing to do with the oh, story. Wow. Yeah. He needed stage crew for the school play 1984, and he was getting younger people because, at Assumption, you could not attend the big dances until you were a sophomore. Mm. Well, there was a conflict between the show and the night of some prom or something that I wasn't going to. So he says, would anybody like to be on the stage crew? And I put up my hand, and that was that. And the rest is history. 1967, yeah. So that's ancient history. Backstage. Yeah. yeah. Now you are one of the most prolific actors in the Quad well, City. I've been at it a long you, time. Well, so. and you that is you, high praise from Chris Hicks. Well, also you've been in several different venues. Many, yeah. So can you remember them. what your first play was? The first play in which I acted. You yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. let's see. What would that have been? God, it was up the down staircase, junior year in high school. Oh, I love that show. Oh, it really? was it was the first time I, I I first time I had read for a show and I got the lead. I was Joe Ferroni. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, that doesn't I thought I was I thought I was extremely cool. <laughs> And he I think still that is extremely that cool. does make you extremely cool, if I do say so myself. Why, thank you. Now, you have been with Genesis Guild that I know of. These I'm just ticking off the ones Go I ahead. know. Genesius Guild, Prenzy Players, mm-hmm. now New Athens, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I would like to get into that uh, with you a little more later yeah, sure. on mm-hmm. your impressions of that. Yeah. Um have you been at Playcrafters? Sure, many times. So, any others? Uh, I've been to, uh, let me see, Quad City Theater Workshop. We were talking about oh, that a little right. earlier. Right. You know, I did some stuff there. And uh, I did one show at Countryside. 1986, I was in Plaza Suite. Oh, so you were played there. a child part then. Even my, oh, God love you. <laughs> No, who did feel like kind of a child part? Remember, Mike King, God rest his soul, was in that play with me. Still really? had hair. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Didn't realize until years. The Mike later. King that was at Genesis yes. Guild. Yes. You're talking as if he is no longer with us. He is not. You knew not. I did. Not. Oh no, no, he died. 
a year and a half ago, something on that line. Mm. He was 50-51, I believe. Oh, that's yeah. young. That's yeah, so yeah. Young. <laughs> Tell me about it. What yeah. a shame. And he was yeah. a superior Very actor. good actor. Very good actor. Wow. Yeah. Now I have to cry. Excuse me. It's quite all okay. right. <laughs> so, how many plays would you say you've been in over the years? I don't know. Been in? I don't know. I've been in 36 of the Shakespeare's, a lot of those more than once. And isn't it your goal and to be in every Shakespeare I'd play? like to. It's kind of a bucket list thing, but, you know, you don't get you don't get psychotic about that stuff or you go crazy. <laughs> well, you're definitely not going to play Ariel. No, nah, well, you know, actually, <laughs> there's, a, there's a footnote there. We had a... Yeah, a Prenzies is sometimes done for fundraisers, a play-in-one-day thing, uh-huh. where they pick a play, and then you get the script, and you meet the next day, and you rehearse, and yada, yada, yada. And oh, yeah. for part of that, and it wound up not going up because of the air conditioning in the theater, the old workshop venue there on West Locust failed. Why didn't was, I ever see that? Well, because, because I was never in happened. one when it was down at, um, maybe it was the, no? Village Inn, maybe? Could have been. I don't know. But... I did that one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sudden theater type of yeah. thing. Yeah, they do it specifically with Shakespeare, and they drew the Tempest, and they, she had something cooked up, and I never did quite figure out how it was going to work, because we left for lunch, and when we came back, we'd been canceled, right? And it was already 85 degrees in the theater. Oh, golly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it just, uh, she, she had multiple people doing aerial. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to be one of them. So there's kind of a, <laughs> it never quite happened, but anything, you know. Just your vocal range is uh, hysterical. <laughs> Thank you. I would say, let's talk a little bit about about Shakespeare. What are, is there a show that you have not done yet that you're, that you're just like itching to do before no, you're done? No, there's not. There's parts that I haven't done that I would probably like to do. You know, I, uh. I wouldn't mind doing Shylock. I think I could still do that as old as I am. You know, but really, you know, what am I going to do? Wait another 10 years and do Lear? We'll see if I can learn the lines. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I, I I never, I'm not Prince Hamlet, nor was meant to be, right? I was never the guy who wanted to play the title roles and all that stuff. The stuff that I played was more the ensemble stuff. Mm. You know, I did a lot of usurping brothers. Me and Pat Flaherty were brothers. I don't know how many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you isn't know. that an actor's um, bane of existence that people don't realize that you may have all the talent in the world to do the part, but if you don't look the part physically, you're not going to oh, yeah. do it. Yeah. And that that's uh, so frustrating. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it can be. So... What has been your favorite role ever? Hmm. Favorite role ever. That's an interesting question because I don't really know that I can answer it. It, it. it tends to be like the last thing you did, you know. Hmm. I re- A lot of the Shakespeare stuff I've really loved. I love to do an Oberon. You know, for Guild, and then years later, I also got to play Bottom for Prenzy. I played Cardinal Wolsey in uh, Henry Henry the Eighth. Henry the Eighth, yeah, Prenzy, for, yeah, for Prenzy, and that was a lot of fun. I had a ball with that. Playing Kent in the remember when we did the Lear at Deer fundraiser at the beginning of 1988. Don played King Lear. Bump Heater directed. 
I was Kent in that show. I, I don't loved think I was part. in that, so I don't. No, remember. you weren't in it, but I, I thought you might be aware of it. But anyway, I did yeah, uh, over at John Murder in the Cathedral, where we traveled around. Yes, yes. Didn't you do that? Yeah, sure. Were you the one, I think, this magician of an actor, <laughs> someone in the cast? Mike Miller. Mike Miller. Mike Miller got pink eye. No, he was ill. He I mean, was. Puka. He, he was ill, ill. He Ill-ill. was not able. I was, I was guy, told And this time. guy <laughs> learned the part. We were doing it in... Some Chicago suburb, I guess. I where, can't remember where. Where is the... the uh, amusement Chris is, park. Chris is doing hand signals on a podcast right now, which yeah. is extremely you, helpful. You can see me, right? <laughs> it's all right. You know, that, that, that amusement park, that huge amusement park that everybody goes to, that was where this, we performed these in churches oh, all right. around the area. And this one was in a Chicago suburb. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which happened to be a post-Vatican II Catholic church. So it had these open windows behind yeah, us yeah. instead of stained glass it was it was totally not very unitarian yeah <laughs> not kinda. very well it wasn't um time appropriate because mm. of being post vatican too but oh sure this amazing actor learned the part on the bus oh wow Going it's to the show. Oh, everybody else, nobody could play on the bus. Everybody had to be quiet while Mikey studied. <laughs> yeah. And he did it. This is, this is, there's a tradition at Genesius Guild called the Who Me Award. And this is something, and it was never like an actual plaque or something, mm-hmm. but it was the kind of thing that when you walked into that park, expecting to play a completely different part or indeed no part at all, you'd get saddled with something from somebody who hadn't showed up. You'd get grabbed and dragooned. <laughs> and that was that was definitely my Who Me Award with clusters. And I, I still am in awe of that. Well, I tell you, the days when I can learn a 115-line part in a three-hour bus trip are probably behind. Of Shakespeare, <laughs> no less. Well, this was not Shakespeare. No, no. Oh, this okay. was T.S. Eliot. Um, T.S. Eliot. Yeah. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, Murder in the Cathedral. So what what is it about Shakespeare that you in, that you oh, it's like the words. so much? It's yeah. it's it's the words. I don't know if kids today do, but I, I when I was in grade school, one of the things that we did for English classes was sentence diagramming. Mm. And it, me too. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. People yeah, yeah. of our age, yeah, because we're you know about the same. Um, that taught me to break down sentences into clauses and so forth and see how things work together. And once you learn that, you learn that you can unplug things and move them around within a sentence. Oh, sure. Not change the meaning or maybe change the meaning, change the emphasis. Well, Shakespeare does that a lot. I think it's partly to, to work with the meter, trying to keep the da-da-da-da-da, you know. Right. He would shift stuff around, but I could always see that. It was all. It was always real. Uh, you know, I think you have broken the mystery. I've I've mentioned why boomers a, can do Shakespeare. You mean? <laughs> well, it could be. You know, you, I, I don't think you've ever heard this from me, and this has me. been said on this episode and 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 scribble with Don Wooten. The reason I was got to Genesius Guild at all, yeah, was my 
Blackhawk College director said, you're coming with me to tryouts because you read Shakespeare cold better than anyone I've ever heard. And now I wonder if that, what you were just talking about with sentence structure and diagramming sentences. It, it may be. Oh, and that's why. Yeah. You can look, I could look at the page for Shakespeare and say, okay, I get the way this works. And some people would go, wait, what? You know? Exactly. It just, but it was that, that gave me a facility for it. But how can I put this? I never took a Shakespeare course in my whole life. I took finally, many years later, I took a commu course in Shakespeare. You remember commu <laughs> yeah. University? Um. Oh, where was I going with this? Lord. Senior moments. Are these going on the radio? Let me fill in for Do. our listeners. Com University is a, uh, every February, uh, several courses are offered for four Sundays and a very big variety of topics. And yeah. From Good travel to lithography to whatever. Yeah. And, and they yeah. often... Offer the arts. But anyway, at a junior year in high school, we had a course called Honors English, which I bribed my way into, and we studied 1 Henry 4, Henry the Fourth, Part 1. And you may not, you don't know me, and you may not believe this of me, but when I was a teenager, I cultivated cynicism. Okay, now it grows wild, <laughs> but I had to cultivate it, and there is a, there is a Falstaff speech in one Henry four that just grabbed me, and it's that cease of majesty speech. Do you know it? No. Or no, it's not that. That's sorry. That's Hamlet. I jumped the tracks there. It was uh, Hell tells him he owes God a death or something. He says, uh, um, "Tis not due yet. I would be loath to pay him before his day. What need I be so forward with him that calls not on me?" And then he goes into, "Well, tis no matter. Honor pricks me on." Yea, but how if honor prick me off when I come on? How then can honor set to a leg? No, to an arm? No, to take away the grief of one? Yada, yada, yada. Honor hath no skill in surgery then. And that just, that really grabbed me. Don that really yeah. grabbed Don me. Don Wooten Jr. here. I was being uh, able to say. quote lines I was, this long past. That one I can because say. that was a big influence. And I'll tell you another strange little influence mm-hmm. I read about about this same time in my life. You can tell there wasn't much going on in my life because I was doing Shakespeare when I was supposed to. <laughs> I, I, I read Dracula for the first time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, my first real experience of an epistolary novel. And at the beginnings of each little bit, they'd sometimes put in little quotations and things. Stoker would. And he put in a thing from Pericles. There's this bit with fishermen in like the third act in Pericles where they, uh, one of them says, uh, Master, how do the fish live in the sea? And he says, well, as men do a land, the great ones eat up the little ones. And I liked that. Yeah. You know, and it was interesting because years later when I was in Pericles for Prenzy, I got to do that scene with me and, me and J.C. Luxton. Yeah. Maggie Woolley. So, yeah. He's he's in Iowa City mostly, isn't he? I believe so. I don't know. He was going to be the Benedict in this Much Ado that you and I were talking about uh-huh. earlier that was supposed to go up like this past week and they covid it out of it somebody tested positive right right i think they had multiple oh i i kind of got that impression i have not heard the details i assume i will at some point a subsequent episode we're going to have misha hooker yeah and he was one of the covid patients oh was he i have Uh not heard that Uh Hmm. yeah so 
Anyway. Yeah, we actually had him scheduled to come in before you. And nature no, intervened. It was this Thursday he was going. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> he was coming in and he had to he had to reschedule because he had COVID. Yeah. Well, it's so, too bad. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Play crafters had to cancel their performances because people were sick. So Oh, post COVID. So, Michael. Not post enough, I suppose. <laughs> this is an interesting thing I will pose to you. When I was... Here we go. When I, no. Well, we we had Don Wooten on one of our episodes. Sure. We've gotten the can. Sure. And Don had me on Scribble, his show on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I remember that, actually. And during Scribble, he says, well, most actors want to start their own theater. <laughs> and I said... Uh, I never have. So, have you ever wanted to start your own theater? Me? Yeah. Not really. No. It's uh. Sounds like way too much work. Well, it is too much. I, I've been in at the beginning of a lot of theater groups, but it was never something that I said, "Let's go take this to the streets and do it." You know, that was something I was along with. So, no, I haven't. It, it, it's. I, I see what you're driving at. It's kind of axiomatic. That actors and most directors are actors, but actors start new theater companies principally so, because they're not getting as many parts, parts as, as they, they think want. they do. Oh. And the thing, and see, and that was the, and Wooten will tell you that. You know, that was exactly one of the reasons he started doing stuff himself. But the thing is, people get ensnared in the mechanics of the thing and the bureaucracy of the thing, and it doesn't. Kind of the finances of the thing. The well, yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, that, it's, and the next thing you know, you're out begging for money instead of, you know, declaiming on stage. Exactly. So. So, is there a role you've always wanted to play? I have one that I have always well, wanted. Well, I got, you know, the one, I kind of already played the one that I had always wanted to play, which was Claudius in Hamlet. Really? Yeah. yeah. Why Claudius? I don't know why. <laughs> I, 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 really, I really don't, you know. Yeah. I, I never had, you know, and I've done stuff from Hamlet, you know, dialogue of Hamlet's, and you see we've done some of the stuff, mm -hmm. you know. But um, this is going to go down another rabbit hole. One of my philosophies as an actor is always play the villain. Ooh. Right, because yeah, villains drive the plots. If and it wasn't for fun. villains, if it wasn't for villains, the heroes would stay home and do yard work. Right, mm -hmm. and it's a rabbit hole when you're talking about Hamlet because who's really the villain? You know, I mean, right. Hamlet's the only one we actually see murder anybody. He's but he's kind of an anti-hero. But I did think Claudius was a villain, and I thought there was a lot of fun to be had with that. And there's a lot of duality in people like that. You know, he goes to court and he presents himself one way, and then somebody's not looking, he presents himself another. And then for Claudius, he has to go kneel down and pray for forgiveness while Hamlet is watching him from the wings. Right. You know, I don't know. I thought there was a lot of complexity there. That's the word I was just going to yeah. use. Yeah. The complexity He's, of the He's uh, one of those guys... Mike Schultz and I were talking about this once. It was in relation to another character, but he's like an onion. You know, you, you peel mm -hmm. and you peel, and there's always another layer. He's got layers. Under there. Yeah, you see me peeling them all. You guys can see this, right? The hand gestures, <laughs> how this works. Just like they saw mine. So, yeah, there was that. What That's... about a non-Shakespearean role? 
Oh, non-Shakespearean role. I don't, you know, this is out of the realm of things that I could probably do these days with as well as I can memorize. Well, yeah. But I tell you what, I the uh, George Bernard Shaw, Caesar and Cleopatra. Really? Yeah. I saw I, I remember seeing this was maybe this is already by now maybe 20 years ago. I remember seeing a TV production of that with Chris Plummer, Christopher Plummer, wow. who by that time he was already probably 80 years old, right? Doing this and it's you know like the dialogue is like that, but I thought that was pretty snazzy. I thought that was kind of cool. That would have been fun to play. And I'm always seeing stuff that I go, ooh, gee, I wish I could have done that. Ooh, that would have been fun, you know. But it, it comes and goes. I don't really, I'm kind of lazy. I don't really have big goals like that, mm. you know. That's interesting. Okay. In another episode, I mm. can't remember who now, Jaron, help me if I uh, mess this up. Someone... Oh, I think it was Tristan Tapscott from Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. What would you, if you could have anything occur, happen, develop in a community theater, do you have anything that you would like to see done that way? Yeah, I do, but Mish is already kind of doing it, and that's uh, the Susan Glasspell stuff. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So at the time at the time of this recording, um, the spotlight on Susan Glasspell just happened um, a couple weeks couple ago. weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, which you were a part of. Talk about talk about what you did what you did with that show. Well, I, with that show, I was just an actor. I with a the, what Misha did was he took trifles, which is arguably. Susan's most produced play today. It's immensely popular sure. with colleges. And it is so good. It is it's, so, a, it's a good, so strong play. Tight. Yeah. And it was a good cast. It was too. indeed. You know, Michael was in the cast. Yeah, I was, I was in and the cast. And he was excellent. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. The, I hadn't really thought about this until I got into the show, but John Turner comes up to me and he says, you know, we're really just like the Greek chorus in this. And I thought about this, and he's right, you know. Mm -hmm. That part that I played was really the tragic messenger in exactly. the show. You know, but it's interesting. And uh, anyway, it had that. It was like the capper. Then he had a short story of Susan's called The Rules of the Institution that he had adapted into a play. And then he did... Uh, uh, an Iowa seer goes to Greece. I think was the the name of the middle piece. There was there was a a group of people here, early twentieth century, the Davenport Writers Group, and Susan Glassbell was one of them. Uh, George Cram Cook, Jig Cook, who would become her husband, was another one, and another one was Floyd Dell, and uh, I did Floyd in this. And the way that Misha had this set up was he had. Cook reading his own stuff. Jig Cook died before any of the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Not young by any means, but before Susan or Floyd or any of the rest of them. But he was alive during their Greeks expatriation. Well, yeah, that was where he died. Was in oh, Greece. he died? In, yeah, okay. died there, was buried so did, there. So did Cook. Caught a disease from his dog, apparently. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, he did those three pieces and... Really, just on a wing and a prayer. I mean, there. You know, they talk about New Athens players right now. New Athens players is basically Misha Hooker and a lot of good intentions. 
but <laughs> it went over well. The people who saw it seemed to like the stuff. I did, certainly. You know, and, and I got, you know, I, I had a, a bit of a bee in my bonnet about Susie Glassbell. I, I can't even really remember where I encountered her. I know this. Her name was never mentioned in any school I ever went to, and all the schools were in Davenport. Mm -hmm. Susan Glassbell was Davenport, Iowa's only Pulitzer Prize winner. Right. 1931 for her play, Allison's House. And to be fair, Allison's House does not carry over that well into the early 21st century because it's like, you know, oh, divorce, oh, you know. But still a well-crafted work. And sure. she's got a lot of stuff out there like that. And these people with whom she was connected have that. And what my understanding is, and ask him when he gets here, is Misha wants to kind of go down that that whole uh, avenue of American theater. You know, they were so intent on creating a new American theater. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it left Davenport and some of them went to Chicago and eventually they went out to New York. They set up a, a summer company, I guess, called the Provincetown Players, you know, was an incubator for a lot of people. That was Eugene New York. O'Neill, everybody That knows. was New York then. For some reason, I yeah. was thinking Provincetown sounded more like Boston. Well, Provincetown is, is not in New York. Provincetown is Rhode Island, right? I believe. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if they had a little fish house at the end of some pier that they cobbled together and started doing shows with it. It's like, hey, everybody, let's do, do a, a play. Show. Yeah, Mickey Rooney. Well, something like Judy that. Judy Garland. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But it just, it always bothered me that Susie wasn't taught. Yeah. You know, her... Well, she fell so... You know, like, it's like she fell off the end of a cliff. She and did. And maybe the teachers didn't even know about the her. teachers i imagine did not know about her i don't think that it, they just all woke up one morning and said let's not teach the baby boomers about Susie glassbell we'll keep the secret no but and, and to be fair some of her stuff does come across as a little bit stilted today well, some of the dialogue. Well, dialogue she, you know, at that time yeah. was much more formal. Exactly, much exactly. more formal. And you got to bear in mind that she was not only a, a member of you know Davenport's fishy quotation marks cultural elite. You know, basically the rich people. She had a wealthy family. Mm. But uh, oh, where am I going with this? I get started on these things, and it seems a good idea at the time. You know. <laughs> I I only, until uh, just recently, I think the only time that I'd ever seen a Susan Glassbell play was, again, was 1986. Remember, I was talking about doing the the, uh, Neil Simon thing, Plaza Suite out there. Also, at Countryside, that summer, Mm -hmm. they did uh, Allison's House. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, except for... And I think, I know Augustana, I was talking to, to uh, somebody who had worked on trifles at Augustana, and that's like it for how many of Susan Glassbell's works have been performed around here. We did Inheritors, remember, at Workshop. Did you go to that? I did not see that. That was, a, that was actually pretty good. I like that. They did first as a, as a reading. They did, do you remember River Stages? No. No, it was uh, Kate... Uh, what the heck was her name? Very tall, blonde woman. 
I'll be able to think of everything but her name. Anyway, did it as a, as a read-through, as a kind of a staged reading down in the, what do they call the theater area and the figgy there? You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And very long play, but uh, Aaron Randolph, who's a, kind of a genius, really, with all the various things he could do, he got into this play and then cut it around and shifted stuff around a little bit. It just played wonderfully, just played wonderfully. Had, a, I think, a little more relevance today, you know, than, than maybe... Well, I, that Alice's is probably would. the attraction for trifles. Yeah, is that it is still relevant mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Isn't um, it interesting though? How like you know we began this conversation talking about Shakespeare, and how you know that has had no problem surviving in the twenty in the twenty first century, um, and yet you take something from what would you say the nineteen nineteen thirties? Yeah, and. It uh, it seems like it has less of a leg to stand on than you know than like really it's like yeah, yeah like I, I did not think about that but that's an interesting perspective yeah I, I've, I've thought about that too and you're right you know it, it's it, you know I've talked about you know a little bit about how some of the Glass Bell's prose seems a little stilted today and her like metaphors and her little figures of speech that she uses are kind of unfamiliar to us. And it takes a little effort to contextually kind of locate them somehow. But uh, not near as hard as you have to work to do Shakespeare. Sure. You know, I mean, you're starting at a, another level that's up here in terms of how deep you got to get into the history. And for Susie, it's just like, you know, living memory type of thing, though. And yet, I actually have a book at home somewhere <laughs> in my <laughs> miasma of miasma. junk um that uh has all the common terms that we have in our language today oh, that please. are yeah. from Shakespeare and it uh, uh, yeah, there's yeah. literally a whole book dedicated oh, yeah. to things that we still use in everyday language simple figures of speech that exactly just, uh... exactly it was when i bought it and took it home and sat down and looked at it, it was like oh my Gosh. If you ever uh, decide that you don't want that book anymore, um, I know of someone who would gladly take that off your hands. That would just um, by the way depend on me finding it. <laughs> There's, I've got a book that's kind of similar to that. It's just I can't remember who the compiler is, but it's called "Brush Up Your Shakespeare," and it had a lot of little pieces of Shakespeare that have become famous. You know, well outside of Shakespeare. And actually, you know. I now remember being in a a small program that Don Wooten developed several years ago yeah. that used that as part of the material in the program of all the common terms that have entered our language yeah. since Shakespeare. I just remembered that. Sometimes yeah, and, and, I'm so know, good I amaze Mark even Nelson myself. Mark Nelson has kind of got, a, got another version of that script. I think he's gone back to that script and worked through it. And we did a, like a sort of, not even a read through, but just a reading of, of what he's got online like mm-hmm. a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And he's he's working on the text. I don't know what that's going to come out, but it's exciting Oh, that'll too. be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's based on, on Don Shakespeare, his life in work. Something like that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Have you ever directed anything? Sure. What oh, have yeah. you directed? I directed uh, The Nerd 
at all. There was another group we didn't talk about is uh, ETC. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It was, well, first of all, starting in 1975, and I wasn't involved in this, there was DMCT. Do you remember that? Davenport Marycrest Community Theater. Vaguely. Well, okay. They uh, it's almost worked 50 at, years. I know, right? They worked in Upham Hall at Mary Crest College, and it's a living facility of some kind now. Right? Yeah, it's a senior um, living facility. Okay, but the, anyway, Upham Hall there. And from that, they eventually, Mary Crest got tired of having them around, and they got booted out. If you ever interview Mark Nelson, you got to ask him about that. They were in the middle of a production of Terra Nova over there and Mary Chris pulled the rug out from under them and mm. St. Ambrose came to the rescue and let them actually do the show ah, at Gal. Go bees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, I used to live in that building when I was a kid, man. Galvin. Yeah. So you directed All these rabbit holes. Yeah. I, re- I directed <laughs> the nerd was the ETC. You're lucky I remember. Thank you. Yeah. I get back, <laughs> back to where we started. But anyway, a lot of the people from there, once it left Mary Crest, they didn't want us to use the Mary Crest name, so it became Quad Cities Theater Unlimited. I am not making this up. I believe you, but I've never heard finished, that. They finished that show, and I don't know if they ever did another one after that. I honestly cannot remember. But a lot of the people who were kind of involved with that stuff cropped up later. Uh, Pleasant Valley High School. Okay, mm-hmm. they had within your memory and mine, they added a, a auditorium mm-hmm. to the building. Well, the story that I heard at the time was that one of the justifications on the bond issue for putting up the building was that look, this would be a facility that the community could also use. Okay, uh-huh. and so they. Somebody put out a notice somehow, we want to talk about getting up a new theater company, and did that, you know, got in there and and did some stuff, and this was ETC, which ETC really didn't stand for anything, but... Et cetera. Well, that's the thing, you know, Mike Bodden cooked this up. Mike, if you're listening, I apologize. (laughs) He, uh... We only have four listeners so far, no, so okay, I don't think right, you have to worry. That's, right. that's not true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, you had kind of the same and similar people going from one thing to another, you know. But anyway, ETC, I directed, I directed the nerd there. I directed Dracula. Oh. Yeah, and that was actually, that was at the... Pleasant Valley High School Auditorium, actually. Yeah, the old Dean and Balderson thing. So reflect on us, on the difference between directing and acting, and did you like it better? Oh, did I, you do acting, it again? I'd much rather do acting, yeah. Why? No, I am Because I didn't excel as a director. Oh. <laughs> and I know I can do a good job as an actor. It's, sure. it, it really is just that simple. You know, I tried it a couple of times. It was enough to know that... Uh, it's not as it's easy not as my people first, Well, think. no, certainly it's not easy. I would never have said that it was easy. But it was, shall we say, not my first best destiny. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I say, I started in theater. I started at, in doing tech. You know, it took me a long time to finally make the complete transition into acting. Mm-hmm. You know, this was kind yeah, of the same people thing. People don't realize all the responsibilities that a director has. Oh, yeah. 
because there's mm-hmm. the vision of what it should look like physically, the vision of what the characters should be right. doing and interrelating with each other. Just even the color the set is painted. I mean, it's extremely detailed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The director's got to have a finger in the pie. It's true in all the pies. Yeah. When I directed Dracula, I also designed that. Oh, you did? Yeah, which was maybe biting off a little bit too much as it turned out. But we live and learn. And you said that Dracula was at Pleasant Valley High School. It was at Pleasant Valley, and this was for uh, ETC, yeah. So it wasn't a high school cast, No, it had nothing to do with with the high school, just with the facility. Talk a little more. Talk about Dracula. tell 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 us that story. What was that like? Dracula, Dracula is such a fable, in a sense. Well, and the thing is, he's the most pastiched character, except for maybe Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know, there are so many things that Dracula is written into. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and uh, but the, the 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 root of it all is is of course Stoker's book, and then Stoker's book was kind of adapted by. Dean and Balderston into this potboiler melodrama play, which is where the Bella Lugosi, blah, 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 the Bella Lugosi movie kind of came from that. Okay. So, first of all, of mine, what Dracula. was the plot of this particular script? It was basically the same as the novel, oh. it was, or, or, or as the movie. You know, if you've seen the Bella Lugosi movie, Dracula, you understand the plot of this movie. I did, but what it the was script a is. long That's time. about it. <laughs> That's about it. He mysteriously shows up and moves into the house down the road from Dr. Seward and strange things start happening and you go from there. The villain that drives the plot. As you say. (laughs) As you say. Yeah. Was that what attracted you to that show? Uh, Just that I was really familiar with it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I figured if I was going to start directing, and I think that was that the first one I directed, I guess it was... I guess, yeah. And uh, go with material that I was familiar with. And the only stuff other than that, you know, I mean, I was familiar with Shakespeare, but I didn't have the confidence to go directing that. And uh, this, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple play. It's a little melodrama, pot boiler thing, you know. But it can be really effective. It can stage really well. And, and so how did you feel... What was your satisfaction level with that production? Oh, I was very satisfied with it. Yeah, I had some had some really good people in it. Do you know Dino Hayes? No. No, he's got a. He was my Renfield, you know, the crazy guy, mm-hmm. and he had a hoot. He had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, Gary Bishop was Doctor Von Helsing. I couldn't get Wooten to do it. I wanted him to. Uh-huh. Oh, I, tried, I, tried, oh. I tried. Yeah, physically he would have been. Oh yeah, he would have been perfect. He would have, Dave Wooten was in it though. Both yeah. the oh, Flaherty's. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, Lynn Sullivan. I can't remember who all else. Now I mean, this is this was seven... Oh, 91. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thereabouts. Yeah. 91 and then the, the the nerd I directed that after that. What's what's the nerd? That's a show I'm not familiar with. Oh god, this guy. <laughs> well, especially when he said the nerd, it was like 
I thought he was talking back in the 1970s because he had just been talking about the 70s right before that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, was nerd a term in the 70s? Well, <laughs> but got... now you're saying the 90s, so okay. Yeah, the, the show was, yeah. yeah. But the name, of the name of the play was The Nerd. It was by Larry Shue, S-H-U-E. And uh, the, the, the setup is you've got a guy, he's a Vietnam veteran, and he's come home and he's... I forget what he's doing. He's, I, he's an architect, I think, something like that. doesn't much matter. He gets a phone call from this guy who saved his life in the war in, mm-hmm. in Vietnam oh. and wants to come and visit him. And the guy shows up, and he, he, he is this nerd. He is this real, real strange, hard-to-get-a-handle-on kind of a guy. And it turns out that it's it's not even not even the guy anyway. It's uh, not the guy who saved him. Not somebody put him up to this to try and achieve. You know, I've gone so is this a comedy or oh, a yeah. dra- drama? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a oh, comedy. Okay. It's 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 a hoot. It's a hoot. It's a funny funny show. And even when I directed it, it was still funny. So you know, it was good. <laughs> but uh, well, we've talked about roles. What actor? Or, well, what actor did you most enjoy performing with? I know it's not me, so go ahead. <laughs> Actually, you were right up there. I loved some of the stuff that we did in uh, Vintage Voices, especially. Oh, yeah. The Baby Snooks stuff, I thought, really, really worked well. You know, that was a really fun time I for know. me because Moment I got... Of silence to... for Barb Carroll. Yeah, yeah, Barb's the one who passed away yeah. year, about a year or so ago. Yeah, it's got to um, be about right. Um. Because I got to do so many roles that I, I know, right? that I never would have and gotten otherwise. And you didn't have to memorize wonderful thing. You know? Oh, I guess that does mean that I formed my own theater troupe <laughs> <laughs> so that I could play the parts I wanted to play. QED, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do sometimes, man. Yeah, that was fun. I'm sorry that we didn't keep that up. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was neat, though. It was, but, you know, actors to work with... You know, actually, one of my one of my favorite acting partners was always my wife Tamara. We never got Aww. to do as much and stuff together as I as I would have liked to do. You know, she had a oh, job. Oh, so what for, what roles did you play with her? Um, let's start with uh, uh, Shakespeare with uh, Merchant of Venice. We were in Merchant of Venice together. I was, I was. Which uh, one? Because I was in Merchant of Venice in. It was in Merchant. This was Merchant. No, no, no. This was after that. This was Merchant in eighty six. Is that right? When Earl Stroop played Shylock. Oh. And Patty the- Flaherty was Portia, and Tamara was Nerissa. Ah. Yeah, and I was Graziano, and she was Nerissa, so we were kind of a couple mm-hmm. in that, and then we. We did another ETC show where we were. She's not on stage as much as you are. No, she's not. Well, she for a long time, she was working at a job that knocked her out of those evening hours. Oh, that's right. So Libraries she kind of broke the habit. Yeah, exactly. So she kind of broke the habit of it where I, I never really did. You know, I've had lapses. You know, like when I was sick, I had lapses for a while. But she, uh, but she was good. Patty Flaherty is always good to work with. Either of the Flaherty's. And if you have their contact information, I'd like to get that from you because I'd like to have Flaherty's in the podcast too because they are the 
Lunton Fontaine of the Quad Cities. <laughs> well, anyway, um, but wonderful stuff there. Uh, Jess Taylor, Denny, Jess Denny used to be Taylor now. We've done some stuff together at, at workshop. You okay. Know, she's wonderful, wonderful. Um, Earl Stroop, you know, gone a few years now. Yeah. And Earl, did anybody talk to you about Earl? No, no. Earl's name is a verb, okay? Mm-hmm. Earl Stroop, Genesius Guild, he had this facility that I have never seen in another actor. He could completely forget his own lines mm-hmm. and turn to you and make it look like it was your fault. <laughs> it was just staggering. That's it was so just funny. staggering. And as he got older, as with all of us, it got harder and harder for him to learn stuff. But, you know, it got to be whenever somebody would really just stick you on stage, you had gotten strooped. <laughs> strooped. For Jaron's benefit. Earl was a teacher at Rock Island High School, and after he retired, he uh, got on the school board in in Rock Island, Mm. so he had a... And what did he... He taught English, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah, Yeah. so he had a a good background to come into theater. Sure, sure. Earl Stroop teaching. For Earl, I hope you're listening to this, because you're laughing if you are. The second Star Wars movie comes out, right? Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. And... We all went to see movies in theaters still in those days. And I know Earl was one of the first people to see it because he was in line ahead of me at that. Remember they had theaters at North Park Mall? Yep. At that theater. The next day, Earl went into his classroom, looked around, and you know Earl. He (laughs) says, how many of you have seen the new Star Wars movie? And like three hands go up and Earl goes... Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Uh, oh, he's old. <laughs> that is that will tell you everything you really need to know about Earl Stroop. But he never he never did until <laughs> until very late in his career. He never did any of that stuff to me. Huh. And the stuff that I've done on stage with Earl is still some of the the high points, you know, of 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 my career. You know, we'd, we'd uh, one of the first major roles I had was uh, Sicinius Volutus and Coriolanus. This was like 1982. Ooh, Coriolanus and is not one of the most popular. No, it is not. It is not. But it's got a lot going for it, as, as most of the plays do. And there's this whole, we had this scene, and Earl starts out with, uh, see you, Yon Coin, Yon Cornerstone of the Capitol. Well, you could just as soon knock that down with your breath as I forget what the whole deal is, but just... Wonderful, wonderful scene. Wonderful scene. And I had a lot of stuff like that with Earl. But the second time we did Coriolanus, what was that, like 16? Something like oh, that? Gosh. I don't know. Don't ask me to read uh, He was He was <laughs> unable by that time to really. Yeah. You had to really yeah, put training wheels under people. him. You we've know. lost some good people. Yeah, we have. But I'm very encouraged. I, I see so much talent. I know. On stage I now. I know. I read wow. this. I read the, you know, I, I, I read about theater a lot more than I see these days. We were talking about this earlier. It's hard to get the habit back. Right. You know, of just attending things. Yeah, the things pandemic that, just decimated. Well, and, and, you know, you, you think it's just a slowdown, but boy, you got to renew 
the yeah. old habits of going out, you know, what are we going to do this yeah, weekend? I was, yeah, I was yeah. prodding him to go to Mockingbird on Maine. Yeah, if you I, haven't been to it, this current show, you need to go to Oh, I, I absolutely plan to. It is yeah. really good. I was surprised for because this is that author's first so it's that so okay so what was your life outside of theater catches um, catch cam yeah didn't yeah. you retire from as a postal worker i did i did yeah not nearly soon enough, but boy, it was great to see the back of that. Catch is catch can. That kind of sounds like that, at least, you know, having just met you and just speaking to you now, that sort of seems to be your attitude with, with theater as well and the different roles that you've played. Is that I guess sort you, of... I guess you can... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, and that's, that's not without merit. Yeah. I was referring to, you know, away from theater. I mean, I just, you know, do different jobs and work at different things and... You know. Well, you know that's that is kind of reminiscent of professional actors. They I have suppose. to do cast, just catch can and yeah. take roles when they get them. And I tell you this though, I can honestly say that I have actually been paid <gasps> to do tech, to act, to direct, and to write. Wow! And, yeah. So did you sell your soul? How did you manage that? <laughs> I, well, it, it's 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 it's. A, historical accident really more than anything i mean the tech was easy because i was getting paid to do tech in high school when i was in high school at assumption high school they paid you well the, the high, no let me finish now come on the <laughs> the high school galvin had not yet been built okay okay and the west high theater had not yet been built if you were gonna do anything that required a, a theater in Davenport, the only step down from like the Masonic Temple or the at then RKO Orpheum, the Adler mm. now, was to go down to Assumption. Mm. And we did a mm. ton of rental business with that place. Oh. I did stuff that I never would have done. I I have worked on four Miss America prelims. Really? Oh wow. Yes. Yes, it's true. I worked the last I worked the last Miss Teenage Queen Cities pageant. I worked the last Miss Davenport pageant. And then I worked, I think, three Miss Scott County pageants. Hmm. Something like that. I did not. We're, and they had all that. kinds of other stuff over there. They had something called River City Follies, which was a fundraiser thing by an organization called the Davenport Bettendorf Junior Federation Women's Clubs. I am not making this up. I do not know why I remember that. But this was all stuff that I would be running a spotlight. Yeah. Or something like that. You know, that was kind of always a thing. And you me. did that in high school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and because it was a rental facility, people would come in and they would bring, you, you know what I'm talking about if I talk about a strong trooper, a carbon arc spotlight? Right. If you've been to a big rock concert, you have seen these things. They're like big cannons. The guy stands mm -hmm. next to him and I ran one like in, this. in college, yeah. And I think now they they run on xenon light bulbs or something, I don't know. But these were literally... 19th century technology, they would burn two carbon rods. It was like a welding machine in a can, and you put two lenses in front of it. Yeah. And we got to learn to operate those. There was a guy here, and I suppose he's long dead now, Ken Benedict. 
And Ken Benedict was the local man for IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he had minions that would like run spotlights at the at the Adler, you know, the Capitol, whatever was going on, and they would rent these lights from him. And then we'd go in there and play around with them and learn them. And eventually he got tired of it. He says, caught us all in there and says, okay. You guys, he says, when I get these lights back, there's always the same things wrong with them. I'm going to teach you guys how to do this correctly. <laughs> and so, oh, okay. Oh, that's not what, the, oh, yeah. So learned a lot from that. But I had a lot of fun running Spotlight over the years. I used to run for rock concerts in Iowa City. Wow. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like you went out and hang out with the bands or anything. I ran but. the Spotlight in at Western Illinois University's mm. production of Guys and Dolls. Hey. I saw that show 3,607,000 oh, yeah, yeah. I was so sick yeah. of Guys and Dolls. <laughs> I wished I had signed up for a different tech <laughs> job for that well. show. Yeah, it's interesting. If you're a technician on a musical, it gives you a whole different perspective on the show than the people buying tickets. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Man. I want to ask you something that uh, I like to ask all of our guests. Okay. Um, Two questions, actually. The first one is, what is community theater mean to you? He's thinking. (laughs) The smoke is coming out well, of his ears. Well, you know, ears. somebody might actually listen to this, so I like to say what I mean, but I'm not sure what that is. I, I think if, if you got to use a word, I would say it's an outlet. Hmm. You know, there are a lot of people out there. I think everybody has creative urges of some kind, okay? And I don't think everybody knows what those urges are in their own case, let alone how to exercise Mm. them. Mm -hmm. But theater, you know, community theater has a place for everybody. Mm. You know, somebody walks in the door and says, I want to do a show. I don't know anything. What do you got? You know, you should be able to find something for them, you know, paint scenery, shift scenery run lights, you know, take tickets, act, direct, whatever it might be. So that inclusion is a very important thing to me. And that's one of the things I've always liked about Genesius Guild. Right. The Guild has always been very much that way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to do theater, okay, well, here's a spear. Go stand over there, you know. (laughs) They will get you on that stage if you want to be on that stage. And I I think that's real important. And I think that... Do I think that the community aspect of it is more significant than the theater aspect? Sometimes, mm-hmm. probably, you know, but you never know. You know, how many times have you seen people at Lincoln Park that started out as park rats that wound up on the damn stage? Oh, exactly. You know? Exactly. So we corrupt people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, it's a Friday night. I've got some free time, nothing to do. Why why should I go see why should I go see a local theater show? Because it will be unique. Mm. No matter how hard the people work and you do work hard at consistency in these things because that's your baseline, you know. Right. If 
everybody marks up scripts in this, you know, in their own way over time. And I've always, I know I always put to myself is S W E T same way every time. Mm. And I'll, you know, if I'm going to make this cross, I'm going to touch the back of this chair, that kind of stuff. You do all that. Okay. Everybody has their own ways to navigate it. Everybody does it differently. But the thing is, no matter how careful you are about regularity and consistency, you got, you know, 50 people or a hundred people or a thousand people out there that got their own ideas about how this is going to go and they will make it unique. Mm. It is the contributing factor of the audience. Absolutely. That makes it different from just um some sterile exercise yeah you know and, and the every audience, audience so contributes much a, part of the, a different oh yeah a different energy to yeah. the show yeah they are they are so much a part of the creative process and it's a shame audiences don't recognize that about themselves because i don't think they get the recognition they deserve yeah because mm-hmm. you can have a real quiet audience one night and you think that you have not Oh, reach please. them. And then if you have the opportunity to talk to them later, they will tell you, oh, this was so great. But Yeah, you know, just, say, oh, it was all I could do not to laugh out loud. And you're like, but you should have laughed out loud. We needed you to laugh out loud. You were supposed to laugh out loud. But you go to that and it's not like going to a movie because it will be unique and it will not be just the reactions of the people, you know, whether there's a baby crying two aisles over or whatever. You have that unavoidable interaction between the audience and the actors, it, it makes it a unique form of intimacy yeah. that you just really are not going to get, you know, watching a bar band or binging on Netflix or whatever, you know. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It is, it is a unique experience and every on performance, both sides. Every the- performance is unique. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Michael, Karen, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, it's been real. A hoot. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. Footlights is a production of WVIK, Quad Cities, and PR. I'm Jaren Michelle. And I'm Chris Hicks. Break Break a a leg. leg.